and welcome back to the Mitchell Street Fantasy Podcast. The week six behind us, we hit the mid-season mark, and that means it's time to do some power rankings. And we go through each team from worst to best, pointing out which teams have the best chance to move up and which teams are prone to moving down by the end of the season. But before we get into that, here's a few quick highlights from the week six matchups. Dan managed to put up the second lowest score of the entire week, making us all think it might be possible that he was going to fall from the top spot. But lucky for him, he played against me, who scored the second lowest score of the entire season. Brandon and Derek put up really valiant efforts in trying to take down Joe and Chris, but both came really close, but both couldn't pull off the upset. Nate had a rare bad week, but Cody wasn't able to take advantage, and Ryan managed to finally get a win to break his two-game losing streak in our premier matchup against Colin, saving him from being alone at the bottom of the barrel. Ryan changed his name to the 2-4 Clown Club, and it's wildly appropriate now that half the league is a 2-4. Three teams are tied at 4-2, and, and Cody comes in at 3-3, three three, while Dan commands first place at 5-1. But we all know winning and losing isn't everything in the power rankings, so let's get into it. Coming in at number 10, who else but Colin? He had a chance to get out of this spot with a win against Ryan. The loss cemented Collins' spot as the lowest ranked team this year at this point. He comes in with the lowest points for total by a 40 point margin, and his points against is in the middle of the pack, so you can't even say that he's just being blown out and had no chances to win. He has some good players, but Lamar Jackson's been really underwhelming this year. He lost Austin Eckler to the IR. He's also rostered three Jets running backs at one point, and so that kind of automatically gets you this 10th slot. At number 9, Derek. Honestly, Derek's only here because he shot himself in the foot on draft day, committing way too hard to his bit of taking only Eagles players. That bit has haunted him since day one, all season, thanks to the Eagles being a bag of shit. He's actually not performing too poorly considering those circumstances, but his roster is a bit of a mess. He's had to pull a lot of waiver wire moves to replace those sad Eagles players. Um, and it's not like he doesn't have any stars on his team. He's got Derrick Henry to name one, but they're going to have to pull a lot of the dead weight if he wants to climb in the standings. Number eight, Ryan. His win this week has launched Ryan to the eighth spot when he could have potentially been 10th. He was decimated by injuries, COVID, and suspensions the last few weeks, so his 2-4 and four record can't totally be justified quite yet. If his team can get healthy, Michael Thomas stops punching teammates in the face, you know, his roster isn't all that bad, but 2-4 is 2-4. Can't just ignore the last few weeks. Unlucky for him, Mostert is the next one of his guys to head towards IR. Ryan's got a huge hill to climb to try and overcome these injuries and his record. Number 7, the other Marks brother, Cody. The Marks brothers are just unlucky with injuries. That's why Cody falls at number 7, just ahead of Ryan. Even though he's 3-3, three three, the depth of his team is lacking. He has a few good wins under his belt, including a win against Dan, which is Dan's only loss this year. But, you know, I may be severely, severely underestimating Cody's team. 7 might be a little low, but he doesn't have the depth to make a good run, at least in my opinion. Any more injuries, he's going to be struggling to stay above 500. I think he got lucky in a couple of his wins. If everyone comes back, Kittle... McCaffrey they come back to being the all-stars that they're supposed to be he has a chance to make a few leaps above the teams ahead of him by the end of the season but the manager of the seventh ranked team has a bit of a brighter outlook than I do let's hear from him okay Nate 
I'll have to hand it to you. Uh, I almost had you there, but looks like the curse of starting certain defenses. I fell victim, victim to it, just like Hero and Colin did. Anyway, good game this week. Uh, this is definitely the gauntlet of my schedule right now. Nate last week and Joe this week. But I got a new trade, so I'm hoping that can propel my team, uh, come over, overcome the injury bug with Dak Prescott going down, McCaffrey being out, Galladay out a couple weeks, Le'Veon Bell was a bust. So I'm feeling pretty good. Three and three, I'm not in the two and four clown club. Striking distance of still coming up the table. So yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. Fifth place going into the back half of the season and my end of season schedule looks pretty, pretty, pretty weaker. So I think I'll make a good run of the playoffs. Love that enthusiasm, never change. At number six is me. I'm ranking myself at the sixth spot. It always feels weird to rank yourself, but I'm putting my team at six. I personally love my roster, obviously. My running back position is underwhelming. Working to address that issue. Main issue I see for myself, I can't get out of my own way. I don't think I have played an optimal lineup yet this year. I always leave someone that's scoring 20, 30 points on the bench. And I could have a couple more wins easily if I knew how to manage a roster. I want to think that I'm going to rise up in the rankings, but I honestly don't know that I'm going to be able to make those right decisions. So we'll have to see. You know, six might be my spot for the rest of the year. Coming in right in the dead middle of the pack is Brandon. The reason Brandon tops the lower half of these standings is because he's put up a few good big performances. Um, there's a couple games where he scored a shit ton of points, but was just outscored by his opponent who put up even more um, he's putting a lot of eggs in the Atlanta Falcons basket right now but their defense is really bad so you got to think that their offense is gonna pop off at least a couple times I, I kind of view his roster to have a high floor and a low ceiling for now just in six weeks it's been working out okay you know he hasn't had any miserable games yet um, and he hasn't had any huge point totals but I'm putting a lot of faith in Brandon, putting him at 5. I think he has potential to end the season lower than 5, but I want to see him prove me wrong. Joe, his roster's pretty interesting. He's coming in at number 4, one of the 4-2 and two teams in the league. His team is very, very top-heavy. Patrick Mahomes, Alvin Kamara, Devontae Adams. Those three are usually carrying him each week. And then he's got a couple other guys, Darren Waller, you know, Ronald Jones... DJ Chark sometimes that come that come to play once in a while. And that's been enough to get him to 4-2. and two. But if he wants to move up, he's going to have to score and perform more consistently. I'm going to want to see some more rounded performances from his roster, not just his all-stars carrying all that weight. He's lucky. He's got Jarek McKinnon on the bench. Greg Ward is having a breakout year. Jerry Judy is, is up for some more playing time. So with those three guys, he's got some potential on his bench, but we'll have to see if that potential turns into reality to carry him to the playoffs. Number three, we have Dan. Yeah, it's a bit of an upset. The leader in the standings comes in at three on the power ranking. But let's be honest, the last few weeks have not been some of Dan's best work. He did beat Joe, which is why he's getting placed above him right now. But in the last two weeks, he's been lucky to come out with the win. After a strong start, he started what 3-0 and then he's been a bit shaky uh, he lost he took that loss and his roster definitely has some holes I think most notably his depth at running back and the tight end position both not good 
keep thinking Dan's going to fall from first place, but every week he proves me wrong. Uh, if he can keep proving me wrong, then he can move up to that number one spot. That spot is his. I won't deny it any longer. But I need to just see a couple more weeks out of him. Number two. As much as I hate to admit it, I nearly put Chris at the number one spot, but I couldn't do it. Uh, it has to be said that it's a super tight one and two. You know, I, I debated a lot about who should go where. Chris has been quietly putting up monster points each week, week in, week out. He had one bad week against Joe where he scored less than 100, but outside of that, he's averaging about 144 points a week, which is pretty insane. His roster's got some really good players, not as much star power as others, but he's got the guys that are putting up 15 to 20 points on a weekly basis. You know, he's got the Adam Thielens, Calvin Ridleys, Josh Jacobs. These aren't guys that are poster childs of fantasy success, but they put up the points when he needs them. His bench is a little bit weak, but he's got some potential on there. You know, when he was forced to make substitutions for bye weeks, whatever, they haven't let him down. I still think Chris is one of the top contenders to win the championship at number two. And number one in the power rankings is Nate. I've been saying it all year. It should come as no surprise. Nate's number one. His team is absolutely loaded, and through some trades, he has somehow gotten even better. His losses have all been due to the other team scoring a ridiculous high number of points. He's never really underperformed. Until last week, his, he hadn't scored less than 113 points. And his roster is so strong at every position. I think that this is essentially Nate's trophy to lose. Outside of his kicker and his QB, which you can argue are the two most irrelevant positions in fantasy football, all of his starters rank in the top 10 at their position for fantasy scoring. That doesn't even include Nick Chubb, who he traded for and is stashed away on the IR for the last half of the year to make that playoff push. His roster is basically what gave Nate the edge over Chris, even though Chris beat him in the week one head-to-head -head matchup. They are going to be matching up again in week 10, and that could have some major playoff implications and will definitely have some major power ranking implications. Getting first in the power rankings does get you some special privileges. We called up Nate this week to give him some time to talk some shit about the rest of you. Woo! It has been a few weeks since I've called in. Don't have a lot of time, but I have a lot to say, so here we go. First off, Colin, what the fuck are you doing with your team, man? Two and four, and you decided to put up a roster spot for not only Frank Gore, but LaMichael Pirine. Understand Frank Gore is going to be RB1. I'm not really that big of an issue with that, but committing two roster spots to Jets running backs is reckless. I must say, I am glad to see you are putting some effort into the league. Just kind of question where you are channeling your efforts, but I think we are all just happy again that you are putting in effort. We'd like to see a little bit more pride go along with the effort. Come on, man. Back-to-back -back years where you're going to end up in the gutter, the end, the last place finisher, after being the inaugural league champion, have some fucking pride, man. That's enough talking about the ginger fellow, though. Time to talk to our next topic, which is Hero and Cody. Second year in a row that we have a trade between these two. A lot of people were screaming rape last year after Cody violated Hero in a very gruesome manner. But Hero, as a true abuser, abusee, has walked back, limped back, crawled back to his abuser, and asked for them to take him back. And Cody, as the abuser he is, Welcome Hero back with open arms. Hero, I'm concerned about you. If you need help, reach out offline. We have services here to help you, man. Well, now that we've talked about rape, I think it's probably time for me to end this call on that somber note. So everyone, good luck to second half of the year. 
protect your heart and protect your rear. That one's more for hero, but it's applicable to everyone. So until next time. Thank you, Nate. Really appreciate the concern. But it's okay. Cody's not all that bad. He doesn't abuse me all the time. And, you know, sometimes I deserve it. And I think this time it's going to turn out okay. And by the end of the year, I'm going to come out on top. Before we get ahead of ourselves, let's look at our Week 7 premiere matchup. And that's going to be the matchup between Joe and Cody. Cody is 3-3. Three and three. Joe is 4-2. and two. This has some implications for Cody. Cody can go positive here if he gets this win. But Joe can prove a lot and prove that he doesn't deserve to be the fourth spot in the power rankings. You know, looking back, I may have underestimated Joe. He has yet to have a bad week as well. Um, I think he has a lot of potential to move up in those rankings too. But he's a couple injuries away from falling steeply as well. In week seven, we got Patrick Mahomes versus Aaron Rodgers. And that's going to be the big show. If, pa if Aaron Rodgers can show up, not have a dud like he did last week against Tampa Bay, he could compete against Patrick Mahomes, which is usually Joe's huge advantage over other teams. So let's see if Cody is able to pull off that upset. All right, good luck, guys. Peace.